Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 106. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Matthew Godet. Matt, how are you today? Very well, very well. So, are you ready to drop some bombs of knowledge on a chef? Let's do this. All right, awesome. I'm just going to give a quick introduction, Chef, and I'll pass it over for you to uh, kind of give us the big picture. Uh, chef Godet is a graduate of the Cambridge School of Culinary Arts. After graduating, he spent nine years honing his skills at 11 Madison Park, uh, John George's, and Aquavit. Uh, upon returning back to Boston, he held a Chef de Cuisine title, first at Brasserie Joe and then at Aquitaine Bistro. Today, he is the executive chef partner at the well-known West Bridge in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and accolades include... Uh, Eater Boston's 2012 Restaurant of the Year, GQ's 12 Most Outstanding Restaurants of 2013, uh, Food and Wine's Best New Chef of 2013, Bon Appetit's Top 50 of 2013, Boston Magazine's Best Neighborhood Bar of 2014, and most recently, Boston Magazine's Top 50 Restaurants of 2014. I mean, the list goes on and on, and I feel like it's going to continue to go on and on as you, you know, pursue your amazing career so i mean that's just a, a quick overview of who you are and what you've accomplished why don't you give us a picture of how you got into the industry and how you got to where you are today and what you got going on wow wow <laughs> pretty cool um started many moons ago let's just say that i was washing dishes when i was 15 16 trying to make some money and found myself just sort of in the back of the house mm -hmm. um years later after college with a grand degree in economics that found me out in colorado kind of floundering around living the life in boulder um <laughs> it's not a bad life <laughs> i was yeah no it wasn't bad at all but it wasn't very lucrative yeah. and it started to get really cold and I had a friend of mine who was cooking at a neighborhood restaurant and basically said to me, he's like, why don't you come inside rather than working outside because it's snowy out. And um, with that, I was a prep cook for quite some time and, you know, the, the pantry cook and that kind of thing. And started working my way up and then, um, lo and behold, a couple of years later, just kind of floundering around in different sort of kitchen jobs, I found myself at uh, this place called Grouse Mountain Grill in Beaver Creek. And I'm probably 25. I've, it's hot now. It's summer, and I decided to cut my back length dreadlocks off and <laughs> and <laughs> figure out that this kitchen thing was kind of interesting. Uh, I didn't know anything. I was awful. I was probably the bane of their existence. But one thing I did understand is that um, 
I liked the sort of social and physical and manual atmosphere that was in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then that was the first place where it was fine dining. It's still there. It's an exceptional restaurant. Um, I was definitely the weakest link, um, which happened many times on in my life. But it was, uh, it, there was a, I realized that there was a certain protocol as well as a discipline and uh, a science and an art behind what it was they were doing. What I was doing was just kind of cutting myself and falling short on every angle. But <laughs> I spent another year, I spent the whole season out there in the Valley and got a lot of encouragement from people to pursue it because I, I physically could do it and mentally it seemed to make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, it is a physical job, and and this takes a certain sort of nimble balance between ballet and 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 sport aggression to mm-hmm. go through the night as a line cook. And I enjoyed it, and it was fun, and the hours were great. Wow. Even though, so it wasn't you know, until there, you were like you said twenty six that you decided that this was the career for you. And is that around the time you decided to invest in going back to school in Cambridge? Yep, I moved east shortly um, after the season, and yeah, I think I graduated school at twenty seven. And I worked for a year in the Boston area, mostly at Shanray, and then met some people who were able to get me to New York. And I sort of found myself at 11 Madison when it was transitioning. Um, That's not a bad place a, to find yourself. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was just doing lunch at the time, and they needed more staff. And uh, it was kind of early on in their career. Um, and it was busy, and mm-hmm. it was accountability was a whole new thing. Mm-hmm. So from what I did in Boston, and, and I was green as all heck, but the learning curve in New York was exponential. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people around me, the cooks around me, were all from Gramercy Tavern or Union Pacific and were super talented and told me where to go, and I just stood there <laughs> and learned. That's uh, so awesome. I mean, your, your story is, for me, just really inspiring because it, a lot of people, they, they – start to realize that they love this industry and they, they want to be in this industry, but they're maybe a little bit older, you know, approaching 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's never too late. And I've discovered that. And I think it's actually better to, you know, wait until you're a little bit older to make the most use of that time when you are going to school and to really get the most out of it. And, like, look where you are today and what you're doing um, with getting a late start. And uh, it's, it's just really inspiring to know if you just – Accept that you aren't the best, but always be willing to be better. And that's what it sounds like you did, just learning under these great people, yeah. always improving. It's awesome stuff. So let's fast forward a little bit and talk about uh, what you got going on now and how, uh, you know, your your current restaurant, the Westbridge, got started. I was at Aquitaine. They had just hired a new general manager. We She was doing vast improvements on their sales, um, pulling them kind of out of a, of a level. When I started there, we just kept um, growing and growing on a monthly basis. She enjoyed the food and sort of discipline and the kind of demeanor that I carried in the kitchen. I thought she was uh, running a solid front of the house, probably one of the best managers I've ever worked with, including all of New York, and, again, shared the same vision. Uh, her name is Alexis Gelbert-Kilmer, and she was approached about a, another opportunity and declined it, and then we looked at each other and said, if we can do this here, why can't we do this for ourselves? And mm-hmm. partnership was born. Um, she handles a lot of the things I just don't have the patience for mm-hmm. or the ability to do. Um, and again, I'd bring a certain level of talent to the kitchen. Of course, you know, opening a can of soup at home isn't going to qualify for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, 
That's and awesome. I, I would say without her, I wouldn't have the stage to work on, and and I guess you know vice versa. But with that, I really have to talk about partnership and mm-hmm. and and ego and ready to check in at the door. I th- and I think we'll uh, I think we'll get to that in the interview. I'm pretty sure okay. we will. Let's let's hold off on that because uh, yeah. I don't want to have any spoilers. <laughs> uh, so sure. uh, before we move on, uh, I mean, we got to know you, how you got into the industry, and how you know what you have going on got to be uh, you know with that fighting that great partner. Uh, let's get your success or you know mantra or quote to get that motivational ball going. What do you have for us today? The obvious is you know uh, there's a couple of ways to look at it, and there's a couple of sort of mantras. The, the overall original is maybe Fernand Font. You know, success is a the the ability to do the small things and in favor of the the big thing, right? Mm-hmm. You have to understand the little things and do the little things and kind of be in the trenches. And I sort of like an ad to my days when I was a dishwasher. And I've worked every station in the kitchen. I've been a buster. Knowing everybody what it takes to get the overall big picture done mm. is the key. Why and, is it so important to do the little things? Uh, because if you don't do those right, then the, the big thing's a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it's it builds foundation. Mm-hmm. So if you don't put the work in at the beginning and learn the details or even pay attention to the details, cutting your onions correctly, mm-hmm. seasoning properly, um, Dressing appropriately, mm-hmm. mannerisms, uh, keeping your station clean, the whole thing's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So if you were to build a house and you didn't put a foundation down, well, how long is it going to stand? Not well. So the same thing goes with a career. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for the details on that, Chef. So uh, we yeah. got your quote. We got your mantra. Now we're going to find out what it is about Chef Gaudet that contributes to your success. I mean, what I've learned is that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what your concept is. It doesn't matter, you know, how awesome you think your restaurant is. It really, what matters is the people in your restaurant and you. So what is it about mm-hmm. you that makes you great and contribute to your success? I would say, you know, my, my willingness to learn some, to have accountability for myself as well as everybody else, the vulnerability to know when you're wrong. And also the confidence to know that I'm working on what it is to be me, and I don't hold that against before anybody else. Mm-hmm. So if somebody has a different vein of thought or looks at the, the things in a different way, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's cool. My house is my house, but, like, I don't walk around with a competitive edge like, where I have to take out the neighbor or anything like that. It's not about that. You know, it's all about the common good, and, you know, and it's about the guests first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and awesome. you build your team because you want those people around you to support you, but you want them as long run you want to support them mm. so i've always been told your legacy is built upon the people that have worked for you not you yourself absolutely so. and uh, i mean that's one of the things i've learned from listening to greats like you is i mean you can uh, it's, it's the people that know where their weaknesses are. And you already kind of alluded to this once when, when finding a great partner, you knew where your strengths were not. And uh, you found mm-hmm. somebody who compensated for those strengths. I'm sure this is going to come up again later in the interview, but even just being able to admit your vulnerabilities and being able to find somebody who can pick those up and then just being accountable and taking action and uh, making it about your guests and about the people around you, like you said, and just always learning. I mean, that's such great stuff right there. And uh, tell me a story, yeah. chef where these things are maybe pick one or two or, and if you can do it, maybe I'll pick all, how all of these things contributed to <laughs> like helping you get to that next step. Well, there's, I have a, there's, there's a classic story where humility is, was greatly learned 
and that was a and I've told this one before the the Jean George story where I didn't know well enough my place so mm-hmm. to speak and um, we were about to send some food to the table and then of course if somebody got up from the table and then chef left the pass the runner came back to back to the table he was kind of mingling mm-hmm. so we started to go back and then he caught eye of us going with the food again he came back and started yelling at us and I made the mistake of but chef <laughs> thinking I was going to explain to him that they're at the table and that's not my not my position yeah. right yeah so he starts screaming at me in the clearest English I've ever heard of screaming <laughs> or talking and I proceed to be sent to the corner of the kitchen an open kitchen and stand there for two hours <laughs> and just watch two sous chefs oh, take man. over my station and I just stand a 30 year old man in New York City with a you know seven eight inch toke on standing in the corner of a you know million dollar kitchen watching awesome while people are watching me hang out um so, like, but, but how did that make you? That service. How did that make you feel? Oh, well, I, I <laughs> like an idiot, but at the same time, I understand it. And two hours yeah. later, you know, he's got his arm around me. Yeah, we're gonna be great, huh? It's just a great, you know, this is a great night. And I was like, great night. What are you talking about? Guys? Maybe for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, in that in that point, I'm learning that it's you know they break you down a little bit and they build you back up. But the point is, is that it's never about you it's mm-hmm. always about the common good it's about the whole and the unit and everybody functioning together on the same page and working for the same reason and that's generally guest you know appreciation mm-hmm. and you know the boss man rules and all that but at the same time he doesn't it's an iron fist and it's an iron clad but it's also very open and loving mm-hmm. and and it's encouraging and it's and and that kind of thing and that's when i learned like a really good sense of humility is like I'm not bigger than anybody around me, mm-hmm. and that's what's key. And if the whole cog has to work together. And when the, your kitchen under my rules sort of starts to crank down a little bit, you know, if there's ever an issue between people, we just stop it right there because it doesn't need to be that way. Mm-hmm. Awesome. You know? I mean, so you would say that the the it factor that shines through in the story is your your ability to just have that humility and to be accountable, and you know. Yeah. yeah awesome stuff cool man well thank yeah. you for sharing that story um of how yeah. that factor helped you get to the next level and what you learned and uh we're gonna have you share another story now uh, maybe a story mm-hmm. of when you were you know opening your first restaurant what was something like a failure you encountered during this process that you can share with us you know where you just fell hard on your butt and like how'd you get back up and what did you learn we did pretty good we got open on time friends and family was an absolute disaster I think one of the hardest things is finding the right people mm-hmm. when you don't have sort of the name of the reputation mm-hmm. behind you yet. Mm-hmm. But we did okay. We got we got people in there, and I was lucky to have some really good people that trusted me and believed in, in my thought process. But, boy, I remember that first meal period was an absolute disaster. And the funny thing about opening a restaurant and building a kitchen was what people don't understand is that, is that even the owner of the chef has never worked in that kitchen before. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the bigger issues that maybe people will look at is trying to take on too much too mm-hmm. soon and and not getting the bearing straight. So I wrote a menu that I kind of knew and was able to do, but 
We didn't know how to execute it out of there, and it was just a miserable couple of hours. Just you know, one relative after one friend after one investor just getting awful food. Mm. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to make this yet. So, yes. you know, there's only so much practice you can do, like making the same thing until tickets come in. You're like, wow. So if you could like narrow down your failure in this moment, what would you say it was? Maybe just trying to grow too fast or taking on too much too soon? Yeah, there was there's that and I think one of our shortcomings right now is that we're we seem to be well better recognized nationally than locally. Mm-hmm. Um we we're we're pretty good when people come off the plane and when I go around the country people know who the heck I am. <laughs> uh you know, I can go. I, I can walk around my neighborhood in Cambridge. I live just on the other side of Cambridge from the restaurant, and I bet you ninety percent of people have no idea what restaurant is. <laughs> I mean, it's what, really interesting. I mean, what can you say? Like the biggest takeaway from this was, if you were to open another restaurant, like, what would you do differently? Scale it way back. Mm-hmm. Um, as it is, we 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 consider it and we think about it on a daily basis. This is what our next project will be, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Westbridge is the monster we wanted it to be, mm-hmm. and it it's going to help us do other things in the future. But I have no intention of taking on this kind of task again, in the sense <laughs> of trying to pursue, you know, heady food that's you know so I don't know on a curve or trying to stay ahead or relevant to today's trends as well as. 120 seats plus another 18 outside plus you know you know how many cooks we have to put in there and how many ingredients in each little composite of each dish and then how big the bar program has to be like oh blah. <laughs> it just goes on and on i would much rather keep it really stupid and simple well, I mean, it's, you've done a great yeah. job painting the picture of both your you know your success how you overcame you're using your if factors to like really get to that next level and how you overcame adversity and challenges with your failure well i mean it's it was all great advice and great stuff and we have reached the part <laughs> of the interview that i've called knowledge bombs i have no idea why but basically you're just gonna drop some bombs of knowledge on us you ready to do it Let's do it. All right. The next question, or the first question I have for you in the Knowledge Bombs is, uh, what advice do you have in funding a restaurant? Always uh, start with your A-list of people that you would like to um, address and realize that they're probably all going to strike out, but the Mm -hmm. B-list is going to come in strong. So uh, spread the dream. And shed, and shed some light on what it is. Be prepared. Spread the dream. Dive into that a little bit more. There's two kinds of investors, right? And yep. you want to invest in your restaurant and get money. There's the banker, money, show me the numbers guy. And then there's the dream. And uh, a lot of people just want to be part of something that you believe in and and back it because you, you feel so great and strong about it. Mm-hmm. So you have to believe in it. And mm-hmm. let them let them enjoy that ride. Awesome. I love it. Great answer. The next question I have for you, Chef, what advice do you have for hiring good people? Don't look so much at skill. Look at um, approachability, again, accountability, teachability. Mm-hmm. And then when you get higher up into the ranks, always hire somebody that can take your job. Awesome. I love it. Great stuff. I mean, it comes up time and time. This is a, you know, a social industry. It's, it's all about attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't want to hire somebody to be a worker. I mean, you want to hire somebody with potential. I love that advice. Awesome. Yep. Um, all right. When you find these great people, you know, the person that could potentially fill your shoes, what do you do to keep them on your team? 
I think the biggest thing is to try to foster the individual. Uh, find out what it is that they want in their career and, and work with it. You know, um, For my sous chef, I know he, he wants to make the food and do the things, and so we give them that ability. And then younger cooks, we give them dishes here and there, but also if they're into baking, and we push them and we give them opportunity to do that. Like I let anybody come to the table with what it with something with an idea mm-hmm. and if it passes the idea test then they get a run with it and then they're accountable for it and i don't micromanage people and i think they should feel that, that they do their own prep from start to finish a to z it's a long day and and they take complete ownership of that and they're responsible for their their world um they don't share it they don't mix it they don't i don't go in and check on it and make sure that they're doing it daily it's you know, they'll find out if they're not. Mm-hmm. That's it, all it's important yeah. to, you know, foster the individual. It's about them being as best as they can be at what it is they are. Mm. You know, not everyone's going to be the chef of, of Westbridge. But at some point, you know, they're going to want to be their own sandwich guy or their own, you know, truck cart thing, food truck or, or whatever it is. It doesn't yeah. matter. You know, yeah. let it go. Do you, it's it, not about you. It's about them. How do you find out what it is that these people want to do with their lives? Like, how do you dig deeper to find out how you can help them? Uh, a lot of prying. Oftentimes, it's like a sous chef going out and having a beer with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know? People tend to going up. <laughs> figure out what, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, sometimes they're a little, like, closed up in the restaurant. But after a month or two, and I'm pretty down to earth, uh, I don't run a really angry kitchen. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely freer in spirit, and like, I like to get to know people. Um, awesome. So the eventually comes out. Great. So there's no questioning to, to or, you know run a great restaurant. You need to be a great leader. What, you know, what advice do you have on how to lead uh, in a restaurant? Like when, when you know the the stuff hits the fan and things are going crazy. Like how do you just keep it going? How do you you know set that pace? Again, I think it comes. I like to watch a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good chef's a good coach and mm-hmm. also a good psychiatrist. <laughs> and um, good shoulder to cry on mm-hmm. but at the same time you have to be able to do it and they have to believe in that so i know i can probably outcook everybody that's ever cooked in my kitchen mm-hmm. as a line cook not every day mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. but one service here i'm getting too old for that but i can go in and, and push them out of the way and crush it and if they see me doing that then they know that i'm the guy that they need to follow Mm-hmm. And then in which case, you know, we, we keep it, the levity there and, and we encourage each other to, to push forward. When it really hits the fan, it's not about getting mad. It's about seizing the opportunity. I always, I have a, a sheet that sort of has my outline of notes, of kind of a giant mantra, if you will. And one of the things it says in it is when it's really busy and it's like extremely busy, it's a compliment. That means a lot of people like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I mean, it's all about that attitude and that mentality and perception is reality, right? Yeah. Awesome, exactly. dude. I love it. You I mean you're dropping some great pieces of, you know, uh, not pieces, but bombs on us right now, man. Just making this interview <laughs> totally worth it. All right. The next question I have for you, Chef, uh, your best restaurant resource. I mean, is there a book you can share with us that you think is a must read or maybe a website you go to or a magazine that you think everyone should invest in if they're going to be in this industry? It's uh, a good question. Probably. I have to think about that. I also have a minor in philosophy, so I have to really think deep. Ooh. <laughs> um, 
I think knowing, reading some of the old school guys and then sort of appreciating like the Michel Ross and Pierre Garniers and even the Marco Pierre Whites and those stories, mm-hmm. Ferdinand Plant again, um, Bocuse, like the, the general respect that they had for what they did in themselves, mm-hmm. I think, um, sometimes almost like dominant and domineering mm-hmm. and then like an Olivier Rolanda too, so respectful of the product Mm. Um, their art form and and the guests. Mm-hmm. I, I think when you read into those classics and start following those those types of chefs, they get something out of it that I think Americans would like to get because we don't have the same history. Mm-hmm. But it really helps you as a as an individual. The Danny Meyer book is always a classic. Yep, um, the table. It's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one just for people in general. If you can tap into Setting the Table by Danny Meyer and think of like one like quick reason why that's a must-read, what would it be? Um, for anybody in management or ownership, I mean, it comes down to the question you asked me previously about hiring. It's yeah. the, you know, the, the 51%ers and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, it's about the people. It's really about hiring people. Mm-hmm. And what what is a 51%er? To, it's the one with the personality mm-hmm. lacking the skill. It's... Uh, you can teach the skills, but you can't teach personality, and you can't teach a work ethic, and you can't teach integrity. Mm-hmm. You can't teach humility. You can't teach those things, you know, to the degree that you need them on a point of the higher. Mm-hmm. You know, people are characters, and, you know, some are geared towards some things and not. And the restaurant business is, is stressful, and it's, it's annoying, and it's long, and it's, it's got low pay, and it's got bumps of high pay, you know, if you look at front of the house versus back of the house. Mm-hmm. But the the whole thing is such an epic moment on a nightly basis that you want to share it with the right people. Mm-hmm. All awesome stuff. Thank you for you know sharing the detail with us on that and why that's such a powerful book. I mean, I've read it a few times now, um, and mm-hmm. it, it really is just a must read to get that mentality straight. So, you know, I think, I think those are the things that I I just see in cooks libraries. Yeah. Like, building the building blocks i have a huge library i'm always inviting people to just check it out yeah you know and i have all the new school stuff i mean like the elbows and the nomas and stuff like that but you don't understand that unless you know the basics mm-hmm. and the basics really come down to the fundamentals of, and even daniel Ballou and jj it's like you need though and thomas keller you need those blocks of classic classic cuisine which is generally spirited towards the area that they're in mm-hmm. it means nothing to anybody in the world and it doesn't matter to the chefs either. Like, Michel Bross wasn't thinking about becoming the best chef in the world when he was cooking off his own land in, in Rio Verne. And then next thing you know, 30 years later, he's passing it on to his son, and it's still one of the most influential restaurants to ever be open. I don't think he even taught, can conceptually grasp that. And I, and I think that's what's important, is knowing that he doesn't grasp that. Wow, chef. I mean, you're just, like, imparting so much wisdom and knowledge and uh great advice for us uh but and i wish i could you know stay on this subject we have to move to the next question and that question is on marketing what can you say about marketing ah see there's our weakness <laughs> <laughs> well you know nowadays and there's, there's so many different angles um the grill of marketing and social media and that kind of thing getting out there we i do a fair amount of traveling on a yearly basis to get out to other parts of the country and mm-hmm. And spread the love with other, you know, great chefs, and it's a, and that's sort of a marketing thing too. Locally, I mean, it's you just have to make your waves and 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 get out there. Um, you show up at events and be social, and mm-hmm. and I think mouth to mouth and word of mouth, and 
face to face type of thing is mm-hmm. some of the best contact you can have. You know, I meet people in the dining room from time to time, and they tell friends and they tell friends, and you know, good news spreads fast. Um, you know, social media is the other angle that people are capitalizing on, and yeah, you know, my friend. Jeff Scott has sold a number of sets from a kitchen book by being a Twitter guy only. Um, it's pretty impressive how things can travel around the world so fast via the internet. And you know, yeah. I really, I think you're hitting it on on the the nail on the head here. I mean, it's a matter of just doing those things, getting out, doing the old fashioned things, but just you know, mm-hmm. shining or opening the window into what you're doing, and that's all social media is. And I think people overcomplicate it. I mean, to continue yeah. to do the things that are the classic ways to engage the community, to you know, truly care about your guests and the people that are a part of your restaurant, and then just make yeah. it public. That's all you're doing, and yeah. what you're sharing with us is great advice. So. Awesome. If, you, if you look, the, if you look at the cost for a PR person, I mean, not knocking a PR person, but it's just saying, some in the restaurants starting up can't afford two to five thousand dollars a month because mm-hmm. the return needs to be ten to twenty thousand, mm-hmm. ten to thirty thousand on that investment. And small places, do you think that's going to happen? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's a risky to take. Yeah, it's so. tough. Uh, all yeah, all good advice, great stuff. Uh, so the next question I have for you is going to be a little bit on like some of the changes we're seeing in the industry. I mean, technology is always improving, and I hear time and time again that you always need to be improving yourself and trying to find better and more efficient ways to do things. Is there an example you can give us of how you use technology, or maybe it's a service you use, uh, or an app you use in your personal life to be more effective into? Uh, you know, just get the most out of your your, your tools. Um, I know front of the house is dabbling with the uh, not dabbling. I think they're into that schedule fly action, mm-hmm. and that's helping them get communication with the staff. Usually, we still do it the old school way back in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for general sharing of all information, we use the Dropbox from anywhere is great. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is Dropbox or somebody who has no idea what you're talking about? Um, what is it? It's like a, it's a it's file basically, sharing. Yeah. I call it a, you know, a thumb for, drive in the cloud. It's basically a thumb drive that you can access. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it is. It's like a thumb drive in the cloud. It's, yeah. it's, uh, and we can all get to it from any point. So when, mm-hmm. case in point, like um, you're asking for a picture or something like that, I can... I can get it out of the you know Dropbox no problem, or so could my partner, mm-hmm. so could my sous chef. Um, recipes, my whole kitchen can access the kids the, the recipes um, from anywhere, from home, from the office, from their phone. So it makes things easier to you know get together. You don't have to call somebody. You don't have to mm-hmm. you know text and wait. You know you just go get it. Um, yeah, I mean it just it improves communication. Like you said, like everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it's awesome stuff. It's really valuable and. Uh, Sure. And as far as schedule fly goes, I, I've used that mm-hmm. in two locations. And, I mean, a lot of people, they, they look at the initial costs. And it's usually, depending on how big your restaurant is, I think it's between 29 and, like, 50 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. But think about yeah. how much time you spend calling people, trying to get shifts covered, the stress of not knowing if somebody's coming in. Uh, it You save hours, literally hours a month yeah. on just improving that communication and creating responsibility on your staff members by having a system put in place where it's up to them and all you do is improve. And I mean, uh, they've been a past guest in the show because of how much I believe in what they're doing. And it's a really awesome system. You just plug right into your restaurant. Thank you for sharing that chef. 
you guys want to learn more about Schedulefly, just check out Restaurant Unstoppable slash 27 for episode 27 for my interview with the founder of Schedulefly, Will Browley. Awesome dude. Great episode. Yeah, I think uh, I think in this day and age, too, you're looking at technology, and I think a lot of people coming um, along with more and more stuff or more adaptive stuff, too. Um, there's a lot of ordering information that mm-hmm. has been brought to me, too, a lot of ordering software and that kind of thing, which has been really key, and I think they're getting the glitches out of it. Yeah. still infantile at, at the time, but coming down the road with some other projects um, that we need to streamline with and maybe multi-unit, then mm-hmm. it is brilliant because anybody, you can have overrides and you can you can have standardized ordering and you can, your bidding is all done through it via um, different vendors. Awesome. And it's, it's really cool stuff. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, I think that's future too. I think, I was going to say too, in this day and age with all the technology we have, I mean, I think communication and the speed at which and the, the fact that we can do it all from a handheld unit anywhere uh, is is pretty clutch. Mm-hmm. I think I don't I don't even know how this happened. You know, without I don't know how I could have built a restaurant without having uh, an iPhone in my hand. <laughs> I mean, meetings and looking at, at bids and looking at equipment, looking at chairs, textiles, all this stuff was in a moment's notice, like flash, flash, because we could do it. We didn't have to set an appointment. You know, like. What's we built the place in, in months. It would have taken years and <laughs> five, ten years ago. I don't if, know how people did it. <laughs> if you could pick one app on your phone that you could not just you could absolutely not part with, what would it be? Uh besides my fantasy football or fantasy <laughs> yeah, Premier League. Yeah. I would probably say um like for work in the kitchen it's either translate because <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> or um the kitchen, the kitchen translator with all the um, measurement adjustments. Awesome, thank so you. So we to... we write a, a lot of things in grams, and I have to give things out in tablespoons and teaspoons. So I will try to uh, get the link so that so you guys can look into it more. And uh, thank you for being very detailed and sharing all those awesome ways to use technology. And I mean, I just personally think yeah. in an industry where you know you have so much struggle with just assembly of balance between life and family. Whenever you can use technology to, you know, be more efficient with time to get that time through family, it's, or just to be more efficient and, you know, save on costs, but by making mistakes through poor communication, yeah. you know, it's so you, yeah. you get your money back. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, the last question I have for you, chef, uh, is what is your best business advice for somebody getting started in the industry, like if you could go back to that twenty-five-year-old version of yourself, where you had dreadlocks <laughs> and like you could just drop one, just nugget of knowledge on yourself, what would it be? Um, never stop learning. Awesome. I love it. You got it. Never close the mind. Yeah, you know, and I think you're a spitting, you know, example of, or is that even a, a, a phrase spitting? You're, you're proof of that, <laughs> oh, whatever what I'm trying to say. You're living proof of that, uh, that, you know, if you just stay optimistic and you always look to learn, you're 25 years old, you, you knew nothing about what you're doing. Nothing. You admitted to being the worst in the kitchen, the weakest link, yep. and, you know, you just always learned, and, I mean, you're doing great stuff. And uh, if there was one question, yeah, <laughs> no problem. If there was one question you think would have added value to this interview, what would have been? Oh, one extra question. When do you, I guess well, you know? When do you stop or something like that? Like, what's what's the what's the final goal? You oh, yeah. know. So, what is the final yeah. goal? Um, 
I guess to get back to being that 25-year-old kid that knows nothing. <laughs> awesome. I love it. All right, Chef, we wrap yeah. up every episode with you calling somebody out. Who's one restaurant professional, one indie restaurant professional you admire and think would make a great guest on the show? Um, because you said indie, the first name that comes to mind is my buddy Ned Elliott. Um, he has, uh, I've known him for years out in New York, um, from working down there, but he's in Austin, Texas. He owns foreign and domestic and he's put together this indie chef week, which is a roving touring band of misfits, myself included, Oh man, doing some of the most outstanding food. We did, what did he do? 30 chefs, three nights and one kitchen, you know, and it's, it's unbelievable food that and unbelievable awesome. people. Awesome, man. Well, Ned, look out, brother. I'm coming after you. We're going to get you on the show to contribute to the Smelting <laughs> Pot of Mentors. And uh, the last thing to do is just let people know at home if they want to come work for you. Uh, if you inspire them, they think you sound like an awesome guy to work for. Maybe they're in the Boston area. Uh, how can they connect? Uh, emails, always great. Matthew at westbridgerestaurant.com. Um, call the restaurant. I think that my first and favorite choice is come in and eat uh, sort of under the cloak of darkness and you get back to me. Um, it's only right for you if it's, it's the place you want to eat. So that's matters to me the most. Awesome, don't cook man. food you don't want to eat. <laughs> you were an incredible guest, Chef. And, you know, I, you just, there's no questioning with your stories of inspiration and motivation that you are unstoppable. I'm excited to see what you do in the future. And, uh, again, just thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. Boom, boom, boom. Bombs of knowledge all over the place today. Chef Godet, man, you were an incredible guest. You just killed it. Seriously, uh, such awesome stuff. Uh, what really stood out to me today was just your never-ending you know, just pursuit to learn and improve upon yourself. Like you said, you mentioned when you're 25 years old, that you knew nothing. You're the weakest link in the, in the chain. And you went from that to just always being a better version of yourself than you were the day before to having this incredible restaurant, the West bridge. And, uh, you know, just being known like worldwide. It's just so impressive and really inspiring and motivating. And that's what we're here to do guys, just to get motivated get inspired to listen to these stories to take their advice and uh i hope you guys act on the advice we we uh, got here today i know i'm going to act on the advice and uh and if you do want to act on the advice all the links to everything we talked about today in a recap of our discussion can be found at www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 106. It's all right there for you guys. Check it out. My guests are literally spoon-feeding you this advice and these resources. If you guys have any guests that you think would make great mentors on the show, shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I'm always looking to... Uh, Add to this melting pot of mentors, and uh, if you can think of a subject that you'd like to learn more about, let me know. I'll tap into my network, find an expert, and get them on the show to, to you know, teach us something together. It'll be a lot of fun. So uh, don't forget to keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio coming. They help so much. And until next time, peace out.